Welcome to Magic and Mayhem. Discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens. Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on a journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. Download your free Magic and Mayhem ebook at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre and I'm so thrilled to bring you this curated series of interviews. You'll hear from picture book authors, chapter book authors, middle grade authors, young adult authors and also from publishers in the children's writing industry. So you'll get a wonderful overview on how to write books for kids and teens. Oliver Pomavan is one funny guy. As well as writing best-selling kids' books, he's a comedian, performer, and educator. And he's our interviewee this episode. Like some other writers we've spoken to, Oliver started out as a primary school teacher. Now he's writing and doing school visits full-time, spending as much as seven or eight months a year on the road. Makes you wonder how he fits in writing time. In his conversation with Alison Tate from the Australian Writers' Centre, Oliver talks about how he deliberately went into writing. He did a ton of research, read every book he could, and went to all of the writing festivals. You know, that's often the difference that separates a published author from an unpublished one. You can't just expect success to find you. You have to go out and pursue it, or at least meet it halfway. So here's Oliver, who never does anything by halves. Oliver Pomavan is a children's author, comedian, and primary school teacher. He is the author of six funny books for kids, including his latest work, The Other Christie, as well as appearing in many anthologies. Welcome to the program, Oliver. Good afternoon. How's it going? It's going very, very well so far. I think we're off to a great start. All right. Let us go back to the beginning. Let's talk about your first novel, uh, Tyrific, I believe. How did that come to be published? When and how did that come to be published? Well, um, I used to be um, a primary school teacher um, after having done a writing degree. And um, after one full year of teaching, I thought, you know what, I'm going to quit and I'm going to pursue writing. So, um, yeah, so I, I took that um, that risk. I decided to take a couple years off, um, do part-time teaching, part-time writing. And I kind of had a vague idea of um, terrific in terms of like writing short stories about um, myself as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it took me three years. Um, a lot of, I joined a writer's group. I, um, I got some really good feedback. I started to get involved um, with uh, the Children's Book Council of Australia and other um, sort of uh, groups where I could meet other uh, kids authors mm-hmm. and kids writers. I attended a whole lot of festivals. Um, and then I managed to bump into um, someone who um, is now my agent. And so, um, yeah, we just had a conversation. He, he liked what I was doing and I gave him my work. And then, um, yeah, Tyrific sort of um, was born from there. So did you meet uh, so your agent? So who's your agent? Oh, yeah, my agent's um, uh, Brian Cook. Okay. And so did you meet Brian at a writer's festival? Is that where you bumped into each other? I did, yeah, yep. So I met him at the uh, at the festival for writing for kids and YA at mm-hmm. the uh, New South Wales Writers Centre, mm-hmm. and yeah, we just um, yeah, we just had a conversation, and I I, I told him about um the book that I was working on, Terrific, and he said, oh, I'll be interested in having a look at that, so I, I gave it to him. So, okay, so your background is obviously Thai, and and you've based the book is on your experiences of growing up here in Australia. Is that correct? Uh, that's right, yeah. So okay. um, a lot of the stories there are sort of semi-autobiographical. So yeah. Um, yeah. 
and funny. And funny, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, um, you know, as a kid, you know, I've always been a bit of a class clown, um, pretty much always running around, um, very, very fidgety. Um, the only time I was really quiet was when I was reading books or when I was writing stories. So, Okay, so did you go to do your writing degree directly out of school? Did you leave high school and go into a degree at uni in writing? I did, yeah. So I, I went into um, the university, oh, so Western City University, um, so I did a, a Bachelor of Communication Writing. Um, and, you know, there were parts of that degree that I, I enjoyed, but mm-hmm. I guess that degree was, um, wasn't really creative writing. It was more like creative and technical writing. So mm-hmm. there's all, a lot of other um, stuff like writing for manuals, writing documents, all that kind of stuff. So um, I decided to uh, – well, I realized that, um, you know, like there is no guarantee of success being a writer and all. So I did a backup. So I did decided to do a, a Master of Teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I chose primary school cause, um, you know, I'm a stupid kid myself. So I thought, you know, I don't want to get bashed by high school kids. So <laughs> I went into primary school teaching and, um, you know, funny enough, I just, I just loved it. I fell into it. And then, you know, cause during my uni days I was running for adults and, you know, that was okay, but it wasn't really going anywhere. And then I thought, you know what, I should have a girl running for kids. And so right. that's where the idea of becoming a, a kid's author sort of came, came up. All right. So, so you went, said you went into teaching for a year and then you decided that you were going to pursue writing. And just mm. judging by what you said, you really were quite um, sort of not clinical about it, but you really, like you, when you say pursue it, you joined a writer's group, you went to the festivals. Like you, you've obviously gone out and tried to soak up as much of the industry knowledge as you could. Is that what you, is that probably, would you sum it up like that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that would be a tip that I would give to, to anyone who wants to sort of um, get, in, get into, um, you know, the, the, the writing industry. Like the fact that, um, you know, first of all, like student authors are, are so, they're, they're so, we're, we're a very nice close-knit community. Mm. Like we're, we're, we're pretty nice. We're pretty supportive. And even even back then, you know, I, I had, um, starting out, I had authors like, you know, like Kate Forsyth, uh, Linda Morell, uh, Deborah Bella just, mm. um, you know, treating me like I was, well, I was already uh, an author in that sense of giving me advice, um, being supportive, and and yeah, it was it was really good to to, to see. So it is a great. They, I can vouch for that too. It's a great group of people, and I like the fact, as you say, that um, it's such a welcoming group. Like you kind of turn up feeling like a total imposter, and everyone just goes, "Oh, I loved your book. I read your book. It was great." You know, and you suddenly you just feel like you're one of the gang, which I think. Is, and I think sometimes people think that writers are kind of, you know, very scary and that writers' festivals will be a really scary thing. But in actual fact, they're fantastic. And Valerie and I often say, you know, go to writers' festivals and not just to talk to the authors that are there, but also just the people that are around you who are also mm. writing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I, I had some – I've, I've actually um, – I still keep in touch with um, a lot of friends who actually met at writers' festivals. So I, I, was, I was that guy – um, you know, going to festivals and sitting in the front row with like a giant notepad, just taking down notes, um, you know, <laughs> so I, I'm putting pressure on, on the author on stage and, you know, I'll, I'll be chatting to people as we're waiting in line to get a book signed or, yeah. um, yeah, just, um, seeing where they're coming from. Cause I, I love, I love talking to people who are into writing just like me. And so that sort of, um, gives me a chance to, to not only hear what they're doing, but also gain some tips as well, because nothing's nothing's ever wasted out there. Like you know, any little bit of advice I, I would take and absorb in my head. Yeah. So when you were writing for adults when you were at uni, were you writing comedy then? Was that were you writing funny? Like um, I guess my question is, have you always written funny stories? Because your um, 
your books for kids are very funny and uh, both of my boys love them and are always telling me about the funny bits in your books. Of course, it's highly <laughs> oh, entertaining secondhand. Um, but are you – so have you always written funny stuff or like what, or was your stuff for adults quite different? Uh, no, it's, it's always been funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I started writing for adults, I was actually that, – that went hand in hand with um, my um, – my start into doing stand-up comedy. So, um, ah. yeah, I, you know, a love of Jerry Seinfeld in high school sort of prepared me to do stand-up comedy. Um, but in all honesty though, like, um, I wanted to be a writer first and foremost. So mm-hmm. I only did stand-up comedy to test out my writing because when you're on stage, you find out very fast if a line is funny or not. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> It was the, it's the best kind of feedback that you could ever do. And that's also another piece of advice as well. You know, just um, go to an open mic night. It doesn't have to be comedy per se, but one of those, you know, poetry slash performance nights. And, you know, just lay it out there. So you see what the feedback's like. Because, um, you know, I, I, I love stand-up comedy. And so my, my writing was, was essentially like a, a reflection of the stuff that I do on stage. Okay. So that's kind of a baptism. I mean, that, that's a pretty brave. Let's just go back a step here because, you know, you say go and read it out loud at an open mic night. That is a really brave thing to do. Like you getting up there and testing your stories and your lines on an audience that is potentially going to just sit there and look at you like, seriously, mate, you think this is amusing? Um, that's a pretty brave thing to do. How do you get up enough courage to do that? Um, you know, I guess um, being a, a, a geek in high school, I was already used to re- being rejected. Uh, by by <laughs> girls and and the cool kids and all that kind of stuff. So um, I built up a resilience to that. Uh, but but essentially, I've you know being that class clown, wanting that spotlight. Um, and I guess we've, we, when it comes to comedy, there's always a risk that it's going to fall flat. And mm. you know, I've I've had nights where I've I've got no response, just silence. And and those nights kind of kind of eat you up. But you know, days after, you, you pick yourself up and you. You, you you go up again because I think that's that that's that's the beauty of, of comedy. If um you know like Jerry Seinfeld has this great quote, you know if if you if um if you find they're not laughing, just you know just smile and move on to to the next joke and, and try to get them at the next bit. So right, because I guess being a writer is also a risk. You know you put it out there and mm-hmm. you know you're waiting for the comments, the rejection, the the whatever, aren't you? Like if it falls flat like a stone, you're like oh okay. And I guess it's that thing. I remember reading somewhere that. You know, writing com- like writing funny books is like you know you waiting two years to find out if the punchline was funny. Yeah, <laughs> because you know you write it and you like put it out there and you were still and then you've got to wait to see if anyone actually thinks it's amusing. Is that difficult or not? Um, you know, like I guess um, one of the things I did was I just read a whole lot of kids' books. Like I, I've, I've probably read in, in my first year of starting writing, I read I read about maybe three hundred and fifty books. Wow. I just went to the library and I just smashed anything and everything that was a, a kid's book, especially um, Australian books and mm. especially um, funny books. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, I, look, writing for writing funny books is, is is quite hard. But then there's so many like stunning examples of of, of really does work. And mm. I find that like because you you can hide your funny things through descriptions and through doing tension and, and for myself, um, especially dialogues, I, I love writing funny dialogues. So, mm. um, yeah, it, I sort of learned a couple of skills through reading um, those books and realizing that it, it, it can be done. So Okay. So if I was going to say to you, okay, Oliver, what is the secret of writing funny <laughs> stories for children? You would say, because, you know, what I find funny and what you find funny and what my 10-year-old finds funny are quite different things. And in what my 10-year-old finds funny, I, it just honestly, 
astounds me at times. But yeah. anyway, um, to, you know, like you're writing for a specific market. How do you know that what you're writing is funny for them? Um, I guess like I'm pretty lucky in that like um, as, as a kid author, I, I get to visit a lot of schools, I do a lot of talks and workshops. And so I kind of get a gauge at what um, what they find funny. Um, mm. I also have some nephews as well that are roughly – around the same age of, of um, upper primary, so mm. that helps me as well. Mm. Uh, but I guess when it comes down to it, I think it's just um, just the opposite of normal, I guess. Like saying something that's going to surprise them or shock them. Um, you know, comedy, there's always going to be a fall guy. Like someone, someone has to get hurt. Mm. And so, um, you know, I try to build up an environment where um, things can be made fun of. I guess with, with terrific, um, you know, I was making fun of Asians. I was making fun of like um, all those kind of stereotypes. And... Mm. You know, I must admit, I, I could say things that other people, if other people said that, it would be quite racist or whatever. Mm. But because I, I could say it, I, I can get away with it. So I suppose, um, yeah, I think the, 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 one of the things that you need to do, I suppose, is, is just to be authentic to, to yourself, I think. Like, mm. um, there's no point trying to chase trends or trying to see what the kids are into. I think if you can find what you find funny and, and just sort of, put that into your characters, I think that that would be a good start. So hmm. so making fun of yourself is a good place to start because that's essentially what you do, isn't it, with a lot of your stuff? Yeah, that's right because, hmm. you know, like you, you've got to offend someone, so why not start with yourself, I find, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you've made, uh, it has to be said, you have made a real brand out of being a nerd um, hmm. and I know that your the two readers that you have in my house respond to that. Is that a, do you think that your readers respond to that, like in the sense that, um, and also, I'd just like to say I'd like to thank you for your Instagram feed because my oldest son now is his life ambition is to eat as many burgers as you do oh, because nice. you seem to have a new one every day. <laughs> so his life's ambition is to eat as many burgers as Oliver Pomeroy. Anyway, um, so how do you, um, you know, do you is that is that a is that just you being you, or is that like a conscious thing, or what what um, what do you do with that? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like you know, I've I've always been a nerd, and mm. it's it's funny now in in this day and age, being a nerd is, um, it's it, it's it's kind of okay now. Like um, you know, you got things like the Big Bang Theory, all those Marvel films. Um, you know, once upon a time, if people if you wore like a, a SpongeBob shirt or a shirt with a superhero on it. You know, you, you get laughed at, but now every second shirt you see out there is a Star Wars shirt or mm. or something a little bit nerdy. And so I guess all, all the things that nerds used to like are now becoming more mainstream, which is really cool. Mm. Um, but you know, I I, I don't know. I, I I always find that I've I've still got a heart of like a fifteen year old gawkish nerdish kid still. So um, and and that hasn't changed. I hadn't really grown up in that sense. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just just being myself, and you know, even though nerds could be cool now, like I always find a way to to really make nerds uncool by just saying some really awkward things or just um, mm. yeah, doing doing some really um weird things like um collecting a whole lot of plushies. Um, oh, the plushies! You know, yeah, like I could write like essays on like why I love um like Nintendo so much, and and you know, I guess with with my burger thing, like you know, even as a kid, like um. You know, being force-fed, well, not force-fed, like, you know, being being fed Thai food all the time <laughs> kind of made me crave things like McDonald's and KFC. And yeah, so yeah. even to this day, like, I, I still get so much joy out of um, eating burgers because, um, you know, it, it's I think it's, it's, that, it's that childhood thing, I think, like, you know, sort of revisiting, revisiting your, your childhood pleasures again. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about your writing process. Do you mm. write every day or do you only, like, how does that work? Do you? Would you only write when you feel like it or are you writing every day? 
Um, yeah, I, I, I try to write every day. So mm-hmm. on a day like today when, I, when I'm at home, I try to um, do six hours of writing. Um, six hours? Which, wow. which sounds impressive, but yeah. essentially when you break that down, maybe I might get maybe three or four hours of writing maybe. Mm. I guess, um, I, I don't know, like I'm not one of those authors that, that waits for inspiration. I find that like, um, you know, th- there are some days when, you know, the words are flowing and um you know, running up the storm and, and pages and pages are being written. There are other days where the lure of, of Facebook or reading up about like, you know, games and stuff takes over or funny enough, like, you know, the inspiration to, to wash the dishes or, or clean the bathroom comes, <laughs> comes to hand. Um, so you have those days too. And, but the main thing is that I'm, I'm in front of, of the keyboard, I'm in front of the screen. And so whether it's like, you know, 20 pages or two paragraphs, I'm, I'm still there writing. So mm. Yeah, so I think for me, like just getting into that zone and just um, just riding that wave. It's almost like surfing, I guess. Some days you, some days you'll you'll be surfing up and down. Other days you'll be calm waters, but you just have to paddle through. Mm, okay. And do you plan your stories out before you begin? Like, do you have an idea of what's going to happen, or how do you? How does that work? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Like, um, it depends on the book. So uh, for terrific, it, w- it was all kind of just um, let loose. I just kept writing stuff, and and uh, for me, the um, the the main part of the process would be the the second draft or the editing of that, where I start to trim down. So okay. I just basically just um, blab it all out, and then I start mixing that around in the second or third edit. Um, okay. Other books like like Conrad um, or the other Christie, I kind of like just just map it out. So I have a, an idea of where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, even though I'm trying to, uh, even though I'm following that plan when I'm writing it, I'm like, Oh, you know, I think this is a bad idea. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of depends on the story, I think. Okay. And are you still working as a teacher? Did you say you're still working part time as a teacher? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think like I haven't taught for um, well. Last year was the first year where I didn't teach at all mm-hmm. as a, as a primary school teacher because um, in the past, um, you know, early term one and late, late term four would be the time when I would do um, a bit of teaching, mm-hmm. like uh, casually, because yeah. um, the school visits would dry up. But yeah. these days now, I've I've, I've managed to. Um, have enough school visits that, that will keep me going. So, um, yeah. Well, that was, um, I was going to ask you about that because you do, you travel, like I see you, on, you know, across your social media feeds. I see you a lot. You travel a lot and you do a lot of author talks and things like that. Um, how many author talks do you think you would have done last year? Um, I'm not sure how many visits, but I, I spend about like maybe seven seven or eight months uh, visiting schools. Wow. That's a yes. lot, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot of travel. Um, so I, I basically – over the years, spend like a whole week, so a whole month in Melbourne or, you know, a whole month in Brisbane, you know, driving to all these um, places and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of visits. Um, it, it, it can weigh you down, especially in, uh, in term three, after book week and book month mm. and all that mm. stuff. But, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I never take it for granted. I, I guess um, it's like kind of like riding the waves again, you know, like um, while I'm, I'm still releasing all these books, I might as well take advantage of it and, and just yeah. keep so yeah, yeah I think it's amazing and um I, you have made a real art of the author appearance I mean obviously with your stand-up comedy background and your primary school background and all of that sort of stuff and and you mentioned the plushies earlier mm. and of course the plushies yeah. feature it well they featured in the talk that I saw and my boys talk about them still um yeah. do you remember your first author appearance do you remember the first I, one you ever did yeah, I did. I it was it was very um it was, it was very awkward. It was it was me being um the awkward nerdish kind of guy again. And like yeah, it was um it was bef- it was before my my book came out. I went to um 
like one of those school holiday um, reading programs at the library and yeah. just a lot of blank stares, you know, pe- people don't know me kind of thing. And yeah. I'm kind of there trying to validate my existence and saying <laughs> that this, there is a book, it, it is coming, it is funny, you should read it. But um, <laughs> I don't know, it's it's kind of weird. Like, um, you know, I, I know that um, I'm not, you know, I'm not famous, I'm not kind of like big in that sense. So I always go into schools or I always go into places um, thinking that nobody knows me and mm. I've got to win them over. So mm. um, by that, uh, I, I try to like, you know, get them hyped up about the book. And I don't know, like I've, I always find myself being like Jerry Seinfeld in that sense of like a lot of my talks are really about nothing per se. Like, you know, um, sometimes they're about the book, but other times I'm just trying to make them laugh for, for yeah. whatever reason. And if they like my talk and they're like, laughing at my jokes, then maybe they'll pick up my book. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's yeah. not so much a hard sell as look how funny I am. You're going to love my book. Yeah. I think it's just trying to sort of capture them with, with my voice. And if, if they, if they're into it, then perhaps they'll, they'll pick up my books, which uh, most of the time it works. Other times, you know, like it, it might not work, but you know, it's, it's like doing a stand up gig, you know, I, um, sometimes you'll get kids all, all hyped up and, and, and really impressed. Other times you'll get a very kind of like mid response, but mm. that's okay. So, yeah. And have you found it's, you know, that your style and your talks have developed a lot over the, you know, cause obviously like if you're traveling seven or eight months last year, you've done a lot of talks. Um, mm. How have you found that that's, you know, impacted on what it is that you do when you are confronted with a group of, you know, 60 kids? Yeah. I, um, I guess I've, I've gotten to a stage now where like, um, I've got like three or four talks in my head mm-hmm. and then I kind of tinker with it depending on the audience and depending on um, um, if they read my books or not. So mm-hmm. essentially I've got like a core talk with, with, with jokes that I always use. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like um, try some new ones or try to do things that um, I haven't done before just to put in between to sort of see how they work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I guess it's um, for, for me, like, I would go crazy. And a lot of authors can probably relate to it too in terms of like if you do three, four talks every day for like five or six weeks, you, you pretty much almost become like a robot in that sense. So I try to spice things up by doing other things, by by using things around me. I was going to a room or a school and I try to take out random things like a hula hoop or mm. um, some weird statue or whatever to try to like do a bit of improv on, on that. So mm. Do you find that you forget – do you find, particularly if you're doing a few back to back in 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 one session, do you find that you forget what whether you said that in the last talk or you've said it in this talk and where you're up to? Like, do you ever sort of lose place of where you where you are with your talk? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're doing the when you're set to do the same talk or the same workshop, like you know, yeah, you know, yeah. three or four times in a row. So there, there are times when I'm like, have I said that to you? Yeah. Or, and. <laughs> You know, my, my, my worst fear is when I, I go back to a school that I've been before and the librarian says, oh, you know, these kids loved you last time you were there. And you're like, oh, man, they've already seen me. So I've got to, like, come oh, up with some new stuff. you've got to change it up, yeah. I've got to change it up. And so those are the times where I'm really tested. But yeah. um, it's kind of funny. Like, um, uh, even though the, the kids have seen me, they one, one kid said to me, it's kind of like watching a, an episode um, of, of Adventure Time, which you've already seen before, but you you still laugh anyway because you you, you know it's, the dog's going to come up or you know this is going to happen, so you still enjoy it. So that's a great, um, that's a very nice, insightful comment from that child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, with, with that in mind, like I always go into a talk thinking that okay, it's it's kind of doing stand up comedy as well, like hoping that at least half the audience or some people haven't 
watched me. Mm. So I, I try to sort of still pitch it at, at them. Mm. Um, but if, if I know that I'm going, I've been to that school before, I, I make note of that and then I try to sort of chop and change things up. So, yeah. So what tips would you give like a new children's author who's about to undertake their first appearance? Like what, what advice would you have for them as an old stager at this now, Oliver? <laughs> um, you know, like even, even before I, I started like um, writing, I, you know, like I said before, I went to all these festivals, you know, I, I saw Andy Griffiths mm. at, at a festival up in the Blue Mountains and he was just like, wow, he, he, he pretty much is a stand-up comedian. He is and, a stand-up comedian, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so he was like my, well, he's still my idol now, but he was mm. kind of like my, my template of what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, I, I, I just learned, like, you know, it, it took me a couple of years to sort of like get into that. Um, that mode of, of, of holding a show, mm. I guess, um, you know, it, it will take some time, like, you know, it, um, and also being, being authentic as well, mm. I find, because if you're trying to be someone, if you're trying to be cool, um, and, 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 and cause you know, kids, like they, they can see right through that and, mm. and not like adults, they, they don't hold back, you know, they, no. they kind of will, they kind of will tell you, uh, rather to your face or with their friends or, you know, sometimes just, just, um, uh, not verbally, like, you know, they're just like, what, what are you doing, man? You're, you're trying too hard, like, you know, you're not going to try and impress me. So I, I always find that if, if you be yourself and you can amuse yourself first, first and foremost, mm-hmm. that way, um, you know, you feel more comfortable um, up, up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, um, I guess trying to find your knack, you know, like, um, be don't be afraid to try a whole different variety of things. Like, you know, try the slideshow, try props, um, try bringing things from, from your childhood or, or from that inspired you for the book. And I guess, you know, the, the more, you, the more you do it, the, the, the more at ease you'll feel about it. And then, um, yeah, things will sort of slide into place. I think what I've had to learn is to ignore the one kid. There's always the one kid who sits there with the blank face and the arms oh, folded yeah. the whole way through. And yeah. I think what I had to do when I first started out was learn to ignore the kid that does that because you're never going to impress that kid. And what I found really interesting about that kid is that that's often the kid that comes up to you at the end and says, can you sign my bookmark? And you go, really? You've just sat there with a blank face the whole way. <laughs> I know how you feel. <laughs> you know, I, um, you know, I, I do talks up into up into year nine and year 10, even oh. though my, my favorite talks are, are basically primary school up to year seven, maybe year eight. And, yeah. and year nine, especially like year nine, year 10, like they are some of my worst or best talks. And, yeah. and I don't know if it's going to be a good talk or a bad talk until 10 minutes into the talk. And I'm like, okay, all right, this is going to be a hard slog or, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be, be with me. And it's, it's so true. They've got the arms folded. They're looking at you with this, know. like, you know, try to impress me kind of thing. I had and then a- like, yeah. And then like at the very end, they'd be like, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that was good. And then I just walk off. I'm like, okay, sure, that's good. <laughs> I remember um, we interviewed yeah. Tristan Banks uh, earlier in the podcast series, and he was telling us about it, one of the most memorable talks he's ever done, which was um, a class of year nine boys, boys only, on a Friday afternoon, last period. And like when he said that to me, I was just like, oh, you are the bravest man in the world, because I just think that would be awful. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes, like, you just have to throw yourself into the scenarios and yeah. just keep. I've got to keep telling myself that even if they're not, even if they're not laughing, because I, I guess I take it personally when people don't laugh at my jokes, because I try my, I try and make my talk funny. And so, if if they're not laughing, then I kind of like, kind of panicking on the inside. But you know, at the end of the day, if they if they're sitting in their seats and and they're looking at you, and I don't know, like, you, you have to keep reminding yourself that 
hopefully some of it will seep through for those kids who are interested. And, yeah. um, you know, sometimes you just can't control it. Like um, I, I've had my fair share of, of disasters with the kids who allow, the kids who fake laugh. Mm. Those are the worst. The kids mm. go, ha, 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 at like mm. the most inappropriate times. And, you know, you just have to sort of like cop on the chin and, and move on to the next talk or the next school and go, okay, I'll, I'll try to get them on the next bit. Because I think um, – Just like stand-up carry- comedy. Yeah, it is. That's right. Because if you, if you carry those feelings of like um, of being disheartened or being discouraged or even being angry over to the next school, you're kind of punishing them for no reason because it's it's a it's a new school. It's, it's a fresh start. Yeah. Kind of like just you know imagine that this didn't happen and just you know yeah. go on. Yeah. Okay. So given that most of your your readership is mostly middle grade, do you do much in the way of sort of social media like that platform building kind of stuff? at all i know you do instagram because i do see you there but like where do you focus your efforts in that area yeah so i guess um it's kind of funny because um you know even though kids are not meant to be on facebook or twitter or instagram per se like it's our primary school kids like they're they're still on there so uh you know you you, that that can't be helped so i guess it's it's kind of a a funny kind of um scenario because i you know i know a lot of YA authors really excel with social media because they can Mm. actually you know really stay in touch with the um the, the readership, mm. which is really cool. So I'm in that funny position where, like, a lot of my uh, followers um, are kind of like teacher librarians or teachers or um, or adults mostly, mm. with, with a couple of kids sprinkled in. And so I usually try to um, have my Facebook fan page as my kind of like um, kind of like um, a, a quasi website, I suppose, like putting things that I've, I've done. Um, and then I use Twitter for more of the like the um, writing professional kind of stuff. So like anything to do with, with writing or, or being an author, I try to put on, on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Instagram is just mostly just um, the other side of me, kind of like um, in terms of like writing stuff, burgers, uh, Nintendo <laughs> stuff, plushies, yeah. um, stuff where you jog. And so that's kind of like a, another aspect of my um, of my personality. We, we, of course, with the uh, occasional shameless plug in between as well, but, but mostly <laughs> it's, just, it's just there for fun. So, yeah. Fair enough. So, okay, so what, what's next? What are you working on at the moment? The other Christie came out last year and was was very well received as far as I can see. So what, what happens now? Yeah, so um, I'm actually editing um, Super Condored, which is uh, mm. the sequel to Condored, which came out like um, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's going to come out in June. And I'm, I'm really like hyped um, to, to bring it out because – um, you know, like Condor has has resonated with, with so many um, of my of my fans, and they keep asking me. Like the kids keep asking, me, "Oh, is there going to be a sequel to Condor?" And I kept saying no. And originally, I, I didn't think there would be a sequel, but then you know, this this idea just sort of came in my head last year, and it just kept growing and growing. And so I just kept listening to to Connor, and he came back, and yeah, I, I wrote the sequel. So yeah, fantastic. Cool. And that comes out when. Uh, it, it comes out in June, so. Oh, terrific. All right. We'll be looking yeah. forward to that. All right. So um, let's finish up today with our last question. We ask everyone our famous top three tips for aspiring writers. What have you got for us, Oliver? Um, you know, like, of course, you know, you ha- you, um, you've got to read books. Mm. Like, you know, just just uh, uh, keep, keep on reading. Um, num- number two is to carry um, a notebook because I find I always, I always tell people like, like, living living life is kind of like half of your writing inspiration in that sense of like you know anything you see or do um anything you you hear or 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 kind of have a talk to to someone is can be useful an idea 
So I always carry a notebook with me for, for jokes and also song ideas. So if I see something funny or if I hear um, something funny on the radio or if I read a, an amusing newspaper article, I just jot it down and, mm-hmm. and they could be used for ideas. Um, and my third tip is to play lots of video games. Like um, <laughs> even if you're not into video games, even though you're 65 or plus or whatever, like just buy a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox or Nintendo and just play games. And But that I mean like, okay, maybe not play games, but like, um, just, just play. Like, you know, I find that, um, when, when I'm playing, like when I'm being, um, just, um, chilling or, or relaxing, that's when some of my ideas come as well. So okay. when I'm switched off, when I'm just relaxing or, um, doing something fun, I find that sometimes ideas can just come to me in, in that sense as well. So, um, you know, I guess in other words, don't try to take it too seriously. Like, you know, like, especially with, with kids writing, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, kids are not reading all the time. Like, I mean, some of them do, but a lot of the time they're reading, but they're also playing, also mucking around. And so, you know, the best way to get into kids writing is to sort of try to get into that aspect as well. Like, you know, do a bit of writing, you know, be serious for some of the time, but other times just, you know, play, have fun. Just, mm-hmm. um, cause I find that if you're not, if you're not having fun, um, then there's probably a, a great chance that the kids are not going to have fun with the book as well. So mm-hmm. there needs to be a sense of playfulness, um, with, with your writing, um, no matter what genre you're, 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 you're writing. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's, that's one of the most interesting and unusual tips we've ever had. Is playing yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Oliver. I really appreciate it. Good luck with the, with the sequel to Con Nerd and I'm hoping the other Christy will, um, will also go gangbusters for you. So, um, yeah. And good luck with the 7,000 author appearances that you do this year. Thank you very much, and um, and you look for, thanks thanks for um, for inviting me over, and I feel like a burger now, so um, I'm <laughs> off. So, yeah. I'll look for it on Instagram. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay. See ya. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A. L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Adaban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK and other territories and are perfect for young readers aged 9 or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontait.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. So as you heard, when Oliver decided to become a writer, the first thing he did was to join industry groups and go to conferences. As he says, the children's writing community is so supportive he wasn't afraid to ask questions, take notes and get advice. I always recommend new writers to join associations and groups and communities. Yes, it can sometimes be scary, but part of being a writer is finding that fear and doing it anyway. It's such a great way to learn and to learn quickly. If you stay at home hoping to just figure everything out on your own, it will take a lot longer. 
It was at one of these conferences that Oliver met his agent, which led to his first book being published. So yes, sometimes you will have to leave your writing tower and go out and talk to people. And did you hear how many books Oliver read in that first year? 350. That is some serious research. But if you want to know how to write a good kid's book, there's nothing better than to read, read, read. And of course, to do a really awesome writing course. If you want to connect with me, just reach out on Instagram or Facebook. I'm Valerie Koo on Instagram, which is more about my art, or head on over to our regular podcast group on Facebook and connect with me there. Just search for So You Want To Be A Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free and it might just be the writing community you're looking for. See you in the group.